Hey everyone, I'm Ludlow and he's Storley. And welcome to the TNL Playbook. Our goal is to share ideas and resources that can be useful for life and ministry. Nothing is off limits. While we aim to share the gospel because we both are in the seminary, we will seek to share what we think are practical ideas and resources that are useful to everyday living. We realize we all need Jesus, who is the source of all our needs, but we still need to live in this troubled and confusing world while going to our messed up churches with our less than perfect families, with way more questions than answers. So this is our playbook for life and ministry. Come with us as we create and share ideas that will help us navigate this game of life. Welcome, 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 welcome to another banging episode of the TNL Playbook. Good evening, blessings and peace to y'all. Blessings and peace, my friend. We want to welcome you to TNL Playbook. This episode eight, we are excited. First of all, I just want to pause and I know I echo the sentiments of my partner here, Ludlow. Thank you so much for taking a time out, searching us out, listening to us. And for those of you who left us ratings, shout out to you. Shout out to you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Yeah, man. I mean, when I when we started this thing, I'm like, yeah, we'll get a couple folks to listen. Right, right, but right. A lot of folks are listening. Folks are, 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 are blessed by it, happy by it, rating us on Apple. We appreciate send feedback. We have folks that are accept, that are excited every Monday at 5 o'clock when an episode drops they go out and they're the first to copy I get texts wow this episode was good and so we appreciate it thank you for continuing to support we hope you're being blessed by it absolutely man we want to thank our listeners here in North America our listeners in Canada our listeners in UK our listeners in St. Martin and our listeners in in Jamaica for you know tuning into the TNL play. So we're international podcast is what you're saying. I don't know if I want to say that man. You know, I, mean, I don't pat myself on the back, but yeah, well. according to the data <laughs> and according to the definition of international, yeah, international. <laughs> mercy, mercy, Lord, mercy, Lord, help us to be humble. <laughs> Yes, and perfect in every way. But listen, man, thank you guys so much. And as always, you can look us up. We're at TL Playbook on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to leave us a note, a comment on a previous episode, or if you have an episode idea, or you just want to share something with us, reach out to us at T-A-N-D-L Playbook at gmail.com. Yeah, and as we've been saying, we, we like you to be part of our social media uh, 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 group network because I know we've been promising resources, but man... <laughs> we, we put up a few resources. Put, but And, and today, more, we, for this episode, we will. We, we will. will. Some more resources are coming. They're not as much as we, we would like them to be yet mm-hmm. because this this uh, this semester has been... We're growing. We're growing. <laughs> We're building. I like how okay like like you're wording it. The resources are coming, so it's important to be a part of our, our network, social network, so that when we put stuff up, when we... Uh, 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 make recommendations that we don't put on the, on a podcast, but we put links and stories and more information on, po- on episodes we do. Go to our pages on Facebook, on Instagram, 
and you can um, get access to those. Or if you have an episode idea, if there's a comment you want to make about a particular episode, just make sure you 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 respond to us. Thorley will respond and, and answer <laughs> any questions that you may have or any concern. Or if you have a beef, just hit up it's a hit us up and Thorley will, will Thorley's more converted so he can handle those those questions i'm, yes, I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm certified in handling beef <laughs> and all meat produce <laughs> so the, but yeah well but but thank you we appreciate yes. it um definitely we don't. we've been having we've been having fun doing this yes, i mean have. eight episodes so obviously we've been having fun and it's been a blessing why you know we, we keep doing this it's it's you know but yeah so so to 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 the 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 staple of our program Lolo what are you thankful for I am thankful for being alive mm. point blank point blank yeah you know what I don't like to copy but I'm gonna take the same sentiment yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be alive I'm grateful for that um, even though something happened this week that caught everybody here in Berry and by surprised um, I don't know if you heard about it on the news but man it was traumatic to a lot of folks it snowed <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here I'm sitting here waiting like what what, what is it oh my goodness it snowed man. for a little bit man and man, a lot of <laughs> yo y'all should be grateful Y'all should be man. We had we had like twenty four inches of snow on the ground for like two months. Mercy, and you get like a little dusted, and people are crying. Oh man, y'all need to be. That's quiet. that's us the, the the dregs of what's left, and you know I'm gonna prophesy that from going forward there will be no snow, and we're gonna enter into a beautiful spring and a beautiful summer. That's yeah, what we're putting out there today. Because I'm, I'm looking forward to, 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 to the spring and because we, we're going to, my wife and I are going to do a little gardening. Nice. Not even, a matter of fact, farming is what we're going to do. All right, now. Farming. So we're looking forward for it to get a little warmer so we can go outside and plant some callaloo and some peppers mm. and whatever else we got. I think I have some ginger my aunt sent that I'm supposed to plant nice. too. So I'm looking forward to the spring so we can do some, some farming. And if you hit me up, then maybe I can ship you some produce from the farm. You know, we want to shout out our our friend up in Canada who 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 blessed us with with some juice that we've been talking about on on, on Facebook. And you know, that's not our topic today. We get into our topic, but we just want to we just want to shout out our friend for at, at Bold. That's what Bold it's Lemonade. So Nasil. So here's the deal. Nasil is a friend of mine from New York. She family friend for a long time. Mm-hmm. Went to New Dimension. Her dad was an elder of the church. So we, we've been friends. So Nasil have this lemonade that I smuggled into the U.S. from Canada. And when he says smuggled, I mean UPS, FedEx, all right? <laughs> People are listening, bro. <laughs> I mean, she's, so, she, so she got this thing and I, and I see promote. I'm like, you know, let me try. Let me support. So I reach out. She's like, look, the shipping's going to cost you your house. Hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to support. Send me whatever. So she sent lemonade. And I told her I wanted to share a bottle with you. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to give him because, it's, man, I, I, I don't want to give it up. But I'm like, you know what? 
since I'm a, 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 I share the gospel because mm-hmm. I like to share good mm-hmm. news within me it, I, I, it's not my nature not to share the, anything good bless the Lord so I made sure I told you about it mm. Before I brought it, so that right. you know what, since I tell them about it, then I got to bring it because mm-hmm. it's that good. And so, uh, Bowl Lemonade up in Canada, it's awesome. Nasil, she's on Instagram, uh, sharpest dot quality. Yeah, sharpest dot quality is her Instagram. Um, check it out, reach out to her, even if you're in the U.S. I mean, arrange something to, to support this young black Absolutely. business. Uh, it's an amazing, it's amazing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to get some more before the summer is out. It's not a question. And I could tell you this, and this is my last comment before I move forward. You know, I'm happy that the Lord impressed you to share this with me, mm-hmm. this, this wonderful product with me. And this product have done more to me than your friendship has. <laughs> no lie, you know, you know I, I, I make jest of it, but it is that good. It is yeah, that it, good. It, it, so, good. so check it out. Check her out. Support Black Business, boldest, sharpest. That quality. Make your orders. Get that lemonade, and you'll see that we're talking truth. And it's here. and it's worth the shipping price. Most definitely. I don't want to tell you what it is. <laughs> All right. Now, we have an interesting topic today. Mm-hmm. And the topic that we have is, does your church suffer from this? You know, we put it in the form of an interrogative, in the form of a question asking, does your church suffer from this? And now we just want to lay the foundation, you know, clear up the presuppositions um, in terms of, you know, what definitions are and when we say church we're not talking about the edifice we're not talking about that marble building we're not talking about that that wooden structure we're not talking about a place where the pews are and your pa system is and the 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 red or the blue carpet with the blue cheers we're talking about the people as the church does your church suffer from this and as you are a part of your church it means that you have to do some self-reflection based upon this question. Does your church suffer from this? And I'm going to answer without even knowing what the question <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Mm. And I'm not even just, and, and I can, and I will give it, and I'll give a couple examples once we start. But I know I personally suffer from it and came to the realization last semester, mm. and we'll get into that. And I know the church that I went to in New York suffers from it. Mercy. They may not know it, but they do. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, and you know what, guys? <clears throat> what we talk about here is not things that we, we, we sit on our soapbox and look down on anybody on. The beautiful thing about us is that, you know, we're coming from the bottom. Now we're here. You know, we, we, we served in the trenches. God called us to, 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 to hire ministry, if you want to call it that, from the laity to the clergy. And we're just humbly following God's call. And along the way, God is, is, is stopping us and he's teaching us and he's asking us to reflect. And we're looking back at the experiences that we've had and we are realizing that there are a lot of things that we thought that we were doing well, that we really were hurting the body of God, that we have really caused hurt. And the reason why I know this, just like how Ludlow knows this, is because we will hear people make statements like, 
I love Jesus, but not the church. Mm. We'll, 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 we'll go to churches and, you know, once you, 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 you go there with a certain expectation as somebody who's seeking after Christ, you know that they in, want to enter those doors. Um, <clears throat> you're going to find individuals who are also, who should also be seeking after Christ. But as soon as many enter into that space, what they hear from individuals who are like them who are who have just been in the process a little bit longer than them is that they they hear things like don't do this don't do that and many are saying that they feel unwelcomed in the place of worship and to me that doesn't make any sense because if if all of us are searching for something Think about the, the the verb that I'm using. If all of us are searching, then we have no time to look at the way how somebody else search is going. And I think part of the issue for that is we and why people get discouraged and, and say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church is because the church expects someone coming in to be perfect. And, and you see, oh, <laughs> and, and, and I like when they say the church. Remember, when we say the church are the people. Yeah. We expect that as soon as you come out of the water, you're a brand new person. All the things that you have learned innately in your life and, you know, you have cultivated in your lifetime have just disappeared. Come on, people. We know that is, that, that's impossible. Yeah. And, and the reality is, I mean, and I think that's what messes up a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, they get back there however led them to get baptized they get baptized and they figure as soon as they get in the water and come back out life is going to be perfect they're not going to struggle with the things they struggle anymore you know what I, I want to disagree with you bro I feel like that's 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 the opposite I feel like the young folks that I've spoken to they have a more realistic view of things uh, and that that might be fine they may have a more realistic view but mm-hmm. there's still those of them who based on the pressures that are placed on them mm-hmm. like I spoken to this uh, young young man and he's telling me about struggles that he's having mm-hmm. and so he has this sense of self-worth or worthlessness because why am I keep struggling with X, Y, and Z like Elder why am I why am I still dealing with these things I got baptized I'm doing my devotion I'm praying and he doesn't feel as if he's I mean he's it's probably a personal struggle that people don't realize what he's going through but based on the, what he's getting from people the, the the things he hear about and people critical of other people going through things you realize this I'm supposed to be this way where the the reality is no you're supposed to strive to it you're not going to get baptized automatically and you're not sinning anymore you're not going to struggle with you're not going to stop automatically struggling with this thing you're struggling just because you dipped in the water and come back out and i think he and a few others many others and probably when i was younger i probably felt the same way i probably feel like you know so once i get baptized all these will be over all my trials and trouble will be over and i also think that when we do evangelism crusades we baptize people sometimes we tell them look if you get baptized all your troubles will be gone and I think that's unfair and and I think you hit the nail on the head because if we really 
take what you just said and we distill it what they believe is based on what they heard mm-hmm. and what they heard came from people who are already in it which means that the unrealistic expectation which they have now come to develop was something that was taught to them yeah. and they put that pressure is placed on them when God did not establish his his means of of re- redemption to work the way how people say it works and i feel like there is there there is something that is missing in our churches where we have real conversation with real teaching because sometimes the teaching moment is important matter of fact the teaching moment is the preaching moment is important but to make the preaching moment even more powerful we need to undergird the the preaching moment with teaching moment because in in that in that 30 minutes or 45 minutes or one hour depending on who you are that you're preaching <laughs> that you're preaching when you when you're saying certain things you don't have time per se to really elaborate on thir- certain things but where the the elaborating takes place it takes place in the preaching hour yeah. and the problem is is when you don't teach then the individuals who come in they come in with presuppositions they come in with 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 different worldviews and their worldview governs how they behave and the, as you talk about the preaching thing too because a lot of folks in the Adventist church like maybe not current but a lot of the older members of the Adventist church who are probably elders and Sabbath school teachers, whatever they are, they probably got, especially in our context, Caribbean context, a lot of them came in the church from the Caribbean and they probably came in through an evangelistic series. Mm -hmm. And so you know how evangelistic series are. When the preacher is up there preaching and fire and he's saying certain things, it sounds catchy. And not that it's it's not true, Mm -hmm. but how it's presented isn't as clear so that you hearing it, you just catch that little glimpse, that little piece, Mm -hmm. and that convicts you. And so you may say certain things that because the opportunity wasn't presented later for it to be fully explained, you may accept certain things. And so what you heard the preacher says is what then becomes your belief system Mm -hmm. and is what you pass down to someone else versus if after you heard it, you and that Bible worker sat down and discussed it further, Mm -hmm. your mind would have been more open said, okay, so he said that, but this is what it actually meant. And so I think that's how a lot of us get caught up in this whole, we got to do it a certain way because that's how I learned it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it the same way. And so now you and I are at the seminary. We um, are learning some things. We're understanding some things. God has provided some amazing scholars who help us to understand some things that may be a little different from how we were taught it and so when we go back to our churches to 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 share some of that folks look at you and say well you went to the seminary and they teach you nonsense like a couple years ago i told a cousin of mine i was in jamaica i told a cousin that i'm planning to go to the seminary she's like don't let them don't make them tony and i'm an idiot i'm like what what's that supposed to mean so the idea is because you're not 
uh, 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 following through in the tradition mm-hmm. that we're used to, then there's something wrong, and so we can't accept. Man, you said you said so much just now, and and I, I picked a, I picked out a few things, and I, and, I, and I'm hoping that I, I grab the high points. You mentioned an issue that brings out two problems that I see in the church. We have intercultural issues and we have intergenerational issues one group versus the other because one group believes that what they believe is correct and you also mentioned that what you learn or how you learn it will be how you will be and to me that is a sad thing because the bible teaches about growth the bible teaches about drinking the milk and then moving on to hard food, which means that you 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 grow spiritually. You're able to think rationally because God wants it, God wants you to come in on a truth. Everybody has to enter at some point, but the problem is the the level of knowledge and the level of reasoning that we had upon entry. For many of us, while have entered, that's the same level that we are even in years of being around spirituality and we really have not grown. And it's interesting. I just want to share um, one um, statistic here um, from the Barna Group. They interviewed um, 1,500 young adults um, ages 18 through 29 and they, they divided this group um, into ex-Christians, unchurched, um, the habitual churchgoer, and those who are considered resilient disciples. You know, we're going to post this document, um, a link to the document on our on our Facebook page, so you could check it out there and read the document in full. But this is what the the, the, the statistics says. It says percentage of who strongly agree with each statement, and this is a statement that I want to highlight. The church is a place where I feel I belong. The church is a place where I feel I belong. For those who are the resilient um, churchgoers, those who have accepted Christ, those who, you know, pay their tithe and offering, were baptized and engage in ministry, that's 88%. So that makes sense. Then you have the habitual churchgoer, those who go to church probably about once a month, um, they believe in Christ. They That's a 43%. So that's 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 a 50% drop between those two groups. And then you have the nomads, the unchurched individuals. That's 10%. That's 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 uh that's like a, a 70 80% drop right there. A 60% drop rather. And this is the one that got me. The church is a place where I feel I belong. 5% 5% of the ex-Christians feel that way. Mm. Which means which means that people are saying, a lot of people are saying, I don't feel like I belong when I go to church. And and my question for that is, why is that percentage so low? Right? Why is it that people feel that they don't belong when they go to church? What's 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 going on there? And 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 why are people behaving in this manner? Because I can remember things like, you know, growing up. When I would go to church and I would hear people say, Thorley, you shouldn't eat this. 
thoroughly you, you can't dress that way or they will say to somebody well you, you, your skirt is too short or your pants is too tight or or there's always something you got to wear a hat you got to do this you got to do that or you you can't do this you can't do that and and everybody who you speak to seem to have some outline as to how a christian ought to look and how to practice why is it that every individual seem to have a way in which others need to be and others need to act and others need to look in order for them to be presented as Christians? I think part of it is we <laughs> we struggle with we struggle with it ourselves too. It's like we have a checklist to say once you fulfill this checklist then you're then you're a Christian. <laughs> and then the focus isn't then what is the relationship with Christ like. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of young people when they leave the church, like the survey says only five percent of them says that they feel like the church is a safe place for them to be at. And I think when you speak to young people the the argument they used to not go to the church is the folks at the church are, 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 hypocrite, are hypocrites. Um, they are judgmental. And unfortunately, when those young people say that, the church they are referring to is the church that they share a roof with, mm-hmm. where their food is mm-hmm. and their bedded beds are. So I'm saying their homes. Mm. The conversation they hear in the car rides home. Mm. The conversations they hear when someone's on the phone. The conversation they hear Mercy. when they're sitting at a dinner table. <laughs> when you talk about the pastor. When you talk about the first elder. When you talk about sister so and so, brother so and so. The one that got pregnant and the one exactly. that went away and. The- there's always somebody talking about somebody at yeah, the dinner table. Yeah, so when young people say that, I mean, they're not living with the elder or whatever. They're living with who are, maybe, maybe they are living with, maybe it is the first elder or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's what they hear at home drives what they believe because they then develop mm-hmm. the same. Because if they're hearing you sitting there, you're, 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 talking about the sister about the hat they wore the the shirt to and you're judgmental when your child or your young person in your house is hearing that I'm like well I kind of identify with that person wearing something different mm-hmm. so then is this how you really feel about me mm-hmm. and then if that person in your house you know start to have uh, ideas that's different than yours in terms of worship and being Christian and you threaten and you know the love that you had for them all of a sudden is thrown out the window because they don't fit into the box that you feel they need to be in you know I, I, I love the, 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 the transition that you made just now because you're, you're bringing up an idea that within the same household within the same church there are people there together but they have different ideas of how things should be. But there seem to be one who is dominating the conversation as to how things should be. And it's interesting that you brought that up because from from you know some of the things that we've learned from a, a sociological standpoint, there's a term called ethnocentrism. Mm. Ethnocentrism. Now, we ask you, does your church suffer from it? Now, this is the thing that we're talking about. Now, what's what's interesting is this. What we're talking about now, Ludlow, 
this is not something new that I've learned when I came to seminary. I have always felt like there is a problem intergenerationally, interculturally within my church and sometimes even within my home, just the way how we, we deal with people because if we really sat down, and as a matter of fact, I remember when we had we had homecoming and we had more young people coming back to homecoming than young people who were at the church for homecoming. Mm. More left than those who stayed, which means that there's something that's going that's not going right. And I'm not saying that the church is responsible and individuals in the church are responsible for every reason why every young people leave or every person leaves, but data is showing and evidence is showing that the church is heavily responsible. Yeah. So with that which I which I saw back in the day and experienced back in the day, I, I never knew there was a term until I came to seminary. Mm. And I understand this term to be ethnocentrism. And ethnocentrism from a sociological standpoint means the belief in the inherent superiority of one's own ethnic group or culture. When you believe that your culture is better than another, so you're telling me the fact that I think that as a Jamaican, Jamaicans are just the the best, the best thing since sliced bread. And are you gonna disagree with me on that, Pastor? Yes. <laughs> 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 di- See, you can't even disagree. So therefore, I'm not wrong. Jamaicans are the best thing since sliced bread. And while you think about it, Pastor, and realize well how how wise and smart that. Is mm-hmm. at my church in, in New York, when we were at New Dimension, we used to do Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And we used to have each week different islands would get a week to, to put on the service responsible for the service. And during that time of the year, between January and the end of March, whenever it's over, it's like it's a war zone in the church mm-hmm. because all these different islands, not necessarily fighting, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the competition to make sure which island can put on the best program for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It doesn't become, okay, let me highlight and showcase my culture, my heritage, whatever it is. Let's highlight some of the things that God has done, which was mm-hmm. the point it becomes who's got the best preachers, who's got the best singers, and obviously the Jamaicans always have, you know what I mean? And you see that, it's a joke, but that's how it, that's how we kind of do it. We say, well, we have it, and then if someone comes from Trinidad and we say, well, they're not as good, then obviously feelings are gonna get hurt. Of course. And that program, while it was fun in the beginning, over time it became this thing that just kind of created clicks in the church mm-hmm. where the island folks start to separate in their groups to the point where we stopped doing black history we stopped doing it based on islands because while we would get a crowd to come to the church the planning and the aftermath is where you have a fragmented church where folks were yeah we're still friendly but you hurt my feelings with, you know, all you care about is your island, your week, whatever it is. And so I think that's one, and that's why I said, yes, I know that my church suffers from it, mm. or at least they did at right. one point. And then the next thing, the next reason why I know, because we only seem to evangelize people that look like us in the communities that we're in. Mercy. And I th- <laughs> and I thought about this. We we took a class. You're cooking, bro. You're cooking. We took a class. Um, church growth. Mm-hmm. 
and I, <laughs> I well, I like the class. There's a book that I had to read, High Definition Leader. Mm. I, I looked at who wrote it. I, I see you have a copy, so you've take. So I looked at who wrote it, and um, I looked. I'm like, you know, I'm not feeling this book. What does this do got to tell me about? Why do we have to read this particular book about church growth? Why do we have to? use uh this author's point of view and as i read it so the book is about uh building a, a multicultural church mm-hmm. and as i read it I, I we had to do a reaction to it and i thought about coming from brooklyn where our church was a multicultural community you have uh asians you got uh middle easterns you have caribbeans you had white folks starting to move into the to the community but yet the church was only caribbean careful now why is it we've never done anything as a church to kind of reach out to the different ethnic groups in our community careful now well nobody pays my bills so i don't care so <laughs> The point is, we've never done anything, and it may not be intentional, but it's just what our eyes, with the eye solves on it, are used to, or used to mm-hmm. seeing, okay, they look like me, so I'm just going to go out yeah. and, and minister to them. But what about the, the Hispanics, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, 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 the Muslims, all these other folks that are in this community? that we don't make an effort to reach out to. So while I didn't at first felt like this book had anything, but that's what it brought to me. I'm like, you are not a high definition leader. I can't remember the term where all you see is just your color. You don't see anybody else when you're going to introduce him to Christ. You know, that's, man, you're saying so many good things and I wish we had like, you know, time to really kind of rip this thing apart because, you know, how we believe and how we think as a culture, it doesn't just stay there. It it influences everything we do. It influences the things that we believe. It, it, it influences how we how we are on the job, how we are at play, how we are with our friends. It influences everything we do. And unfortunately, Ludlow, this ethnocentrism that that is is spawned in culture also carries over into our religious belief because you can't tell certain folks and you can't tell me that you believe something in scripture and if somebody should say listen something is not right about that it's like almost you're like a rooster you know getting ready to fight you know you all your feathers are are raised and you get into this this posture of this posture of ready to defend truth when truth is truth in itself absolute that doesn't need to be defended it's it's our egos as it pertains to that why because we believe that what we believe is true and how dare you question the truth that i have so it's almost like you're offended for something that has nothing to do with you yeah and the problem is this ludlow the problem is this, and I I did some reading, and I want to share this. Um, and Linson Daniel, who writes for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, will post that link also on social media. He says your church is ethnocentric if it has these the following behaviors, and it's interesting that what you touched on was similar to what 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 he 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 wrote it says if it uses an us versus them language when describing people outside your ethnic community and i want to stretch that to beyond ethnic but also to what you believe 
because as sometimes as 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 Christians, the the people who you associate yourself with, you want to believe that the fact that I associate with with this religious group, we must be right. And anybody who should say something against or different is an us versus them. It's a Sabbath versus Sunday. Why is it that we have to have such a controversy? So that's point number one. Right. Point number two, it says it believes that our ethnic culture is superior. The ministry is culturally arrogant. And you mentioned that the Jamaicans. And I can say that because I'm Jamaican and I could tell you this. There are many individuals who 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 are in my church who are of the minority, the, the Grenadians, the, the Antiguans, the Haitians. They don't feel as, as welcome they don't feel like they have an equal say at the foot of the cross in the body of Christ why because we can be arrogant not just as Jamaicans but as a people group who should be constrained by the knowledge of Christ but yet we're constrained by culture yeah and and, and I think back to the to, to the first point uh, when we use us versus them it even goes into how we and as you touch on the Adventism versus Sunday worship it even touch on how we interpret it and read the Bible mm-hmm. like I saw this interesting uh, video uh, uh, this morning where a pastor was describing the 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 sacrifices Jesus as a lynching mm. And the person, the person interviewing him said, "Why? What caused you to kind of see it that way?" Mm. And he's like, "Based on the experience of a black person in America, the things that you've seen, mm-hmm. the lynchings that you've experienced, you look at the situation that happened with Jesus, and you can make that categorization that that is a lynching." Mm-hmm. And so, before I even go there, there's something that just came into my mind, mm-hmm. and I think we, we need to touching it as we're talking about cultural and as we touch on the lynching we need to talk about our brothers and sisters that aren't black who are being oppressed and discriminated discriminated against specifically our Asians absolutely brothers and sisters who brothers and sisters who are experiencing a high level of hate and violence because of whatever is going on with COVID-19 and wherever people believe that COVID originated from now as a body of Christ we can't always just say Black Lives Matter, it's about us and our community. Mm-hmm. If we believe that all people are created equal and everybody have access to the grace of God, then we need to speak up against inequality and injustices against other people, specifically now our Asian brothers and sisters. We need to uh, talk about that. Mm-hmm. But back to the whole point of how we interpret and see things through the lens, through the cultural thing that I'm used to, through my culture, but then I'm not open. I'm not open-minded enough to see it through another culture's point of view. Right, and I think that's what affects our evangelism. And it goes back to what you're saying, because we don't do that because we're not open, because we're not willing to learn. We're still at the place of entry. Mm-hmm. Even though we have entered 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we only and we are only comfortable 
evangelizing, speaking, being close to people who look like us, who talk like us, who dress like us. So when you go to a church, you see, you know, for example, all black folks. And then within those black folks, you have another clique that's Jamaican. And then within that clique that's Jamaican, you have the clique that's only vegetarian. And with, within that clique that's only vegetarian, you have the clique that has a long skirt sweeping the ground. And it's like the... the, the it's 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 awful, man. And this is not what Christ, and this is this is not what the the body of Christ is about. Because the the the, the deeper you go in your ethnocentrism, the more walls you create, so people cannot see the Christ in you. And maybe maybe there there probably isn't any, you know. Well, <laughs> and as you talk, <laughs> and as you talk about cliques too, and I think an important group in that clique is age. Mm. The uh, old versus beautiful. the young. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things we are realizing now when we go to churches, there aren't that many young people there anymore. As soon as the young people get to that age where mommy and daddy can't force them to go to church anymore, they stop going. And I think that is part of it. And because now even in our young people, like the the culture thing doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. because they're not Jamaicans or Haitians or Trinis. They're Americans. Yeah. And so that stuff, when it comes to when, when food isn't at play, when it's not the, <laughs> the jerk this or the curry this mm-hmm. or the roti or the black, when it's not that, they don't they don't associate with yep. that. They sure. care about, and so they're leaving with their friends. They don't care what culture they are. And so I think as older heads in the church, we got to be mindful the messages we, we give to our young people. If we want them to stay in the church and we want them to feel inclusive, feel a part of, then we can't, from the pulpit, preach a message of inclusivity, God loves you, but then when you're sitting down next to them, when you're sitting, or not even sitting in their groups, because they're not of your certain age, you can't mix with them, you can't take the time to associate with them, you don't make them feel welcome, you don't make them feel loved, instead of... uh, 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 talking to them, educating them about why it's important to dress a certain way, why it's important to carry yourself a certain way. Instead of doing that, your thing is, well, if you keep dressing like that, you're going to go to hell. If you keep talking like that, you're going to go. I mean, so that's it. And if you hear you can't, you can't, you can't versus educating me, give me information that explain to me why is it I shouldn't do the things that I'm doing. And I think that's different. Then maybe you'll get them to stay. And you know what? I, I You have a great point there, but if I can just stretch it a little bit, I think that you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And that is why you have clergy amongst you. You have someone who, who God has called. He, you know, he or she has went to the place that they should learn. They have the tools to identify when these things are so, and they should be the one who's taking the time to educate the folks. Because think about it, right? If, 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 if your church is predominantly Caribbean and, and a, a black American comes to your church, they would be uncomfortable. And I know black Americans who 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 goes to, you know, a Caribbean based church. And there are many things that occur in the liturgy, in the interaction, you know, in the social activity that makes them very uncomfortable. Why? Because the church is predominantly one way. So everybody just kind of flows that way and nobody is thinking, oh, this person believes differently. This person is raised differently. 
let me try to understand where this person is coming from and try to make sure that what we do socially what we do spiritually is inclusive for that person to feel welcome and have a seat at the table and, and you mentioned you mentioned the clergy and I think it's important but also I've learned that and there's a saying I used to say in my, my other job, me and my boss used to make fun, we used to talk about when we see something wrong, we'd be like, not all CPAs got A's in college. Mm. And it's the same thing, not all clergies did well. I mean, some of us, we came to school, if the mm. class is important, we pay attention. I mean, I have that same, yeah. if the class isn't, we don't, if it's not something that we're used to, again, because culture, we've been brought up to a certain way we're used to it being a certain way so I come to the seminary and I'm going to look at okay so this is the foolishness cross that off mm-hmm. this this doesn't apply so when you go out and then you wonder why is this conflict still happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there is an opportunity for you to learn how to address it but you didn't so yeah I believe yeah the clergy plays a role in educating their church like look we're not in Jamaica anymore yep. where it's all Jamaicans we're in New York. Mm-hmm. We're in uh, Pennsylvania. We're in Connecticut. We're in Chicago. We're in California. Where chances are the church has multicultural uh, backgrounds represented. How can we make it so inclusive that everybody who walks into the church feel welcome and love? Your kids, mm. unless you, you know. For I, I'll just use me. My wife isn't Jamaican. I'm Jamaican. Her kids are mixed. They're like, okay, are we Jamaicans? Are we Asian? Are we what are we? So now, if they go to a church where it's predominantly Jamaicans and Jamaicans are, or the other way, it's Haitians or whatever it is, they're gonna struggle to say, okay, how do we fit in? We grew up in a different context. We learn different things. Our culture is a little different. My mom doesn't speak Creole in the house. My dad doesn't really speak Pato. I'm I'm all American. I don't feel as a, an American-born person, I don't feel welcome. So I think as as the, the laity, as the clergy, if we're in leadership, God is leading us in church, we have to be mindful of these things as we read the Bible and we see how Christ pulled everyone together to try and create a cohesive, we're not saying to submit and accept things, um, to unite, to to accept things that it's not biblical or that you don't agree just to be united mm-hmm. we're saying just show love and understanding understanding mm-hmm. and be willing to teach and to listen mm-hmm. to what the other person's point of view is so that the person don't leave the church saying man I ain't going back because I don't feel safe I don't feel like yeah. the church is a place where I'm where I'm welcomed great points man and you know as we're winding down we just want to drop some things because we don't want to just gripe we want to we want to share some things that are that are practical and there is a book out there called evangelism if you could get your hand on it it's by lng white grab that and um check check out what, what she says here and she's speaking about you know in my mind ethnocentrism from a ministry standpoint she says means will be devised to reach hearts meaning that men are going to come together make plans to to spread the gospel of christ this is what she says some of the methods used in this work will be different from the methods used in the work in the past which means that for example now that we're experiencing covid 
you can't go outside and give out no steps to Christ. So the question is, does evangelism stop? How is your church pivoting for evangelism now? That's one of the things that she said. Another thing that she says on page 105 on that same book, she says, there must be no fixed rules. There can't be a group of people that says, this is the only way it should be, and this is the only way that is sacred. Who, who, who made that designation? Yeah. She's saying there should be no fixed rules. Our work must, our work is a progressive work, and there must be room left for methods to be improved upon. That's so key to me. Another thing she says, let us not forget that different methods are to be employed to save different ones. And that goes back to your point, Ludlow, that we are doing the same thing and it shows that by doing the same thing, we're just catching the same people. Yeah. We're not trying to be diverse. We're not trying to learn up from the Hispanics. We're not trying to learn from the Europeans. And in a New York City, where the culture is ridiculously diverse. It's a melting pot of the world. Why is it that our church is not a reflection of that diversity? And then, so and so for some of those churches in New York that's in some of these neighborhoods that used to be predominantly black and Caribbean back in the day, and now these neighborhoods are white and mm-hmm. young and professional, on Sabbath mornings, you see old folks driving in from Long Island in Queens yep. and mm-hmm. up Brooklyn. Eventually, at some point, those old folks are going to retire and leave. Mm-hmm. And then the church doors are going to be locked. And then you have a whole community of people who never, who were never ministered to or evangelized to because those inside the church thought that they don't, because they don't look like us or from the same culture, we can't reach them. Mm-hmm. Where those very same folks would have loved to have been invited in mm-hmm. to use, you know, some jerk tofu whatever it is to get the conversation going Mm -hmm. but get to understand them and see how can you be a part of our community Mm -hmm. come into our church because yeah your church is there but it's not your community you just uh, 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 commute in once a week Mm -hmm. they live there every day they know what the issues are but if you never take the time to to try and reach them because it doesn't fit into what you're used to then your church is going to die it's going to die man it's going to die. Um, and a last quote from, from that book, Evangelism, and then I want to share some points that will help to build a better intercultural and interpersonal relationship within your church. The last point is that there are some minds which do not grow with the work, but allow the work to grow far beyond them. Yeah, let me read it one more time. There are some minds which do not grow with the work, but allow the work to grow far beyond them. Those who do not discern and adapt themselves to the increasing demands of the work should not stand blocking the wheels and thus hindering the advancement of others. That's powerful to me. If you're not going to help, don't block. If you're not going to assist me, you don't have to. But don't block me. Don't prevent me from 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 thinking creatively, from doing creatively. Don't don't talk about me at your dinner table. Don't talk about me on the phone on your WhatsApp chat or whatever it is. Don't put down the new and creative ways that are necessary. And sometimes we we have to try Ludlow and we have to fail. Yeah, and I, and I think too you may say well how am I blocking how am I preventing I'm not 
But as, as Thorley says, you know, you're talking about the person doing whatever it is God has called them to, to do. But also, when you sit on that board and that young person come with an idea to do mm-hmm. something, to reach their fellow young folk, and you say, well, you can't do that. That's not what we believe. We don't agree with that. We're That's not giving you... Let's play some sword in We're not going to give you the, 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 the money to do that. You know, all of that stuff. And so we got to be mindful. Again, we're not saying to compromise. There's right. a difference between compromising and looking and realizing, okay, we have to use new methods. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, young folks aren't coming out to socials anymore. I can't mm-hmm. tell the last time, uh, you know, I've been to a social. What are those? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, but but it, it's different. Kids are into uh, uh, different things. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's good when you can, you know, bring some of the old things that used to be fun when you're growing up to have fun but the whole point is not to be dominated Mm -hmm. and this whole thing where just the older folks or the folks who are in charge are the only ones dominating and not really giving uh, the young people an opportunity to shine I think uh, that's a mistake like I heard someone say I think a sermon I was watching Sabbath or whenever it was um, says that young people People are pretty what pretty much who save our churches during COVID. Yep, because they're the ones that knew how to to, to manage Zoom, Talk knew how it. to make the technology work. Without young people, some of us old folks would be at home and can't watch church because nobody knows how to set it up. Struggling with it, and so back in the day when you used to complain, why do we got to get camera? Why do we got to do this? It shows you why we need to, mm-hmm. why we need to invest in the technology, why we need to invest in social media, why we need to do some of these things. And like, you and I have this conversation, like, dude, I, I have Instagram. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to, to get it to work. I'm not on Facebook. A PowerPoint, I used to know how to use. No, I don't. But... I can't be, now I'm at this point now where I don't really want to learn anymore, but you realize Pretty I've got to, yeah. I've got to. My two-year-old knows how to come and turn the computer on and go on YouTube and find Mickey Mouse Club. Mm-hmm. I'm like, am I going to stifle that or am I going to just make sure I monitor and see what he's doing to make sure he doesn't do anything that he's not supposed to? And as he gets older, give him confidence so that he can be comfortable in whatever he knows and learns he can use to be minute to doing ministry so with my older son plays the piano am I gonna say well you can only play this kind of thing only when games. when Matthew and I are in the car going to his piano lessons on Mondays you know what we listen to Sam cook mm. and as soon as we get into the car daddy can you put on some Sam cook please and I'm not gonna say well we only in this now nah, we listen to Sam cook and we vibe when we go to a piano lesson and when Matthew come Matthew practice but again we gotta be mindful how we treat and encourage our kids and our young people otherwise all if all they're used to is no you can't no you can't not that not that at some point they're gonna go where they'll hear yes you can, yes, you can. and the yes you can that they'll hear is smoke a little weed drink a little this come to this party whatever it is those are the things that because they feel more accepted in that they're gonna get dragged off into that and when the church where you want them ain't coming back because it's a place where they're here no we can't listen to you and your voice is being stifled that's a shame man but now I wanna share with you 
and share with our listeners ways we can build better intercultural and interpersonal relationships in our churches. Number one, have positive yet realistic expectations of people. The problem is a lot of us forget that we were sinners once. Yes. So when that sister get baptized and still come to church with the jewelry, don't tell her she need to go in the back and take them off. Come on, man. Give people a chance to meet Jesus for themselves. All right. That's number one. Exercise empathy. Share the feelings of others. Walk in their shoes. Uh, You know what you have to do for that? You have to have proper conversations. You have to listen, as you said, Ludlow. You you, You have to be willing to care for people, to be empathetic, instead of wanting people to to be the way that you want them to be in moments when they can't afford to do that. Yeah, how, like some empathy. how can you be a Christian and cold-blooded? Well. You can't. can't. All right. But number three, you got to be flexible and you got to be creative. As we read earlier, one size does not always fit all. So, so be open to ideas. Listen. Be flexible. Try some things. Let the people around you know that, yo, I care about what you have to say. Be creative. Try something new. You might just enjoy it. Yeah, and for me, I mean, this is something, because I'm not, I'm not that creative of a person, and I'm trying to get to that. I'm, as I get older, I realize some old things that I'm used to seeing growing up, mm-hmm. they're starting, and I'm trying to be like, you know, I need to be a little more open-minded. Like, I see some things online, I'm like, hmm. But then, if you just take the time to listen mm-hmm. and and just see what's happening, you realize, okay, that makes sense. That that's a new. So I know some. I struggle with that, but as I get older, I'm realizing if I if I go down that path, I'm gonna be the one that you're gonna say I'm not going to elder whatever churches. <laughs> My kids won't like me. I know. Right? The next one is persevere, and you know how I look at this is changes might be tough. Mm-hmm. We'll push through it because it's necessary. Yeah. Um, number five is be humble. Yeah. Be humble. When you think that you're at the top, no, come on, consider yourself lower. Let somebody, let somebody else's voice be heard. Mm-hmm. Lend the ear instead of you know, you know, instead of your your mouth. Be yeah. humble. Leave that oh. ego at the door, man. At the door, man. At the door. Number six, be teachable. My goodness, you mentioned the Zoom. You mentioned the young people. How they they allowed you know churches to shine and ministry to shine during Corona. When before the things that 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 is now causing the church to be a church was something that was taboo. Be teachable. Don't wait for an external circumstance to occur to force you to a place where you have to learn. Be teachable voluntarily, and I feel like you'll grow more that way. Number seven is tolerate ambiguity. Be patient with people. Yeah. People are going to have different worldviews, different ways to skin a cat, as we said. Sometimes when you look on the, the potluck table, you might not always want, you know, black cake. Sometimes we got to make room for some creme brulee, bro. Nah, it should always be black cake. Bro. Always be, nah, bro. I like creme brulee. So, you know, we're going to agree to disagree on that one, right? Number eight, exercise trust in others. Yeah. We got to be able to empower people. You're not the only one that can teach Sabbath school. Exactly. And you know what? They might not teach it the way you want to teach it, but guess what? They will never get better unless they're given the opportunity exactly. to be better. Just like how you were given the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Avoid inappropriate criticism of others. Yeah. At the table. Yeah. On the phone. 
at your your, your kitchen table yeah. at the potluck table at church avoid criticism because when you look at criticism you're pretty much putting yourself above people so avoid that because you're putting yourself above is showing how beneath you really are and believe it or not not everybody around the world love them some jerk chicken they'll look at you we're like ah jerk what <laughs> So we, exactly. we got we got to be open and be mindful and respectful of other cultures. All right. As you said it, the next one, be respectful. You know, people are different. People come with their experiences. They come with their baggages. They come with their hurt. They come with their joy. They come with their strength. Be respectful. And the last, lastly, be available. Mm. You know, if we are a community, we have to be available and open to each other. And once we are that for each other, to each other, then people know that we respect them. So be available. Yeah. Not 24 hours a day, though. But but just be available. Because that's what community does. Now, this is is the last thing I want to say on this. And again, this is taken from a book called Ministry of Healing, page 470. Very powerful statement made by the author. It says... The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Mercy. That's your strongest argument. Not whether you can find a text, not whether you can prove text, not whether you can share doctrine, not whether you can sing, not whether you can preach, but the strongest argument for the gospel. And the gospel is the the, the good news of Jesus Christ is a loving and lovable Christian. And remember the two main two points of the, the commandments love God and love man and if you can't love the man you see how are you going to love the God you don't see yeah and so you just we just have to be open-minded and show and express love uh, so that fee- people feel welcome appreciated Otherwise, they're not going to hear what you want to say, and they're not going to come where you are. That means you're not going to come to your church, they're not going to want to fellowship, and they certainly aren't going to bring their friends to come to your church. They'll go someplace else, and if they can't find it elsewhere, they're going to go, they're going to stop going. And eventually, they'll find someplace where they'll find uh, uh, acceptance. And then when you try to get them to come back to church, then you'll hear, well, I don't feel that it's safe, I ain't coming. So friends, if your church suffer from this, if you suffer from this, take these 11 points step by step. See where you find that you've erred and ask God through his power and the Holy Spirit to help you to be respectful, to be available, to be humble, to be teachable, to be positive, to be realistic, to be flexible and to be to, to, to tolerate those things around you. So basically, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to reflect the character of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I hope you learned something. I hope you have something to pray about. I hope you have something to to talk about. And again, as we said before, if if you have a point that you'd like to share with us on this topic, feel free to reach out to us on social media, TL Playbook on Instagram, Facebook, or you can send us an email at T-A-N-D-L Playbook at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for listening. And remember, stamp out Haitian hate stamp out Asian hate yeah Jamaicans don't say what well, we don't say H I said H Asian there you go got you until next Monday see you then yeah
thanks for listening. Please look out for a new episode every Monday. Special thanks to Ashova uh, Acoustic Wave for providing our theme music. Also want to shout out Dwayne Rowe for the logo. Check him out on Instagram at Dwayne Rowe and his website DwayneRowe.com for more art. And don't forget to like and follow us at TL Playbook on Instagram, on Facebook. Until then, see you next Monday.